Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. A tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! Up, it's your host Elia Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. We have an incredible show for you today. Jeff Tweedy in conversation with Nora Jones. The occasion for this pairing was Jeff's new book, How to Write One Song: Loving the Things We Create and How They Love Us Back. That dropped just this last October. This originally aired as a wonderful live stream event. It features a conversation between the artists, Jeff and an audience Q&A, and an exclusive performance. It was originally co-presented by two Brooklyn institutions, Murmur and Community Bookstore, whose co-owner Stephanie Valdez moderated the event. Now, here at TalkHouse, we've worked with Murmur many times, including with Tweety when he released his last book, and it is one of our absolute favorite venues. During the pandemic, they've been curating incredible live performances and conversations. You can get tickets now at Murmur.com, that's M-U-R-M-R-R, to none other than George Saunders, Tweety collaborator, reading from and discussing his upcoming book, A Swim in a Pond in the Rain, on its day of release, January 12th. That event is also a collab with Community Bookstore. Head to communitybookstore.net to pick up Tweety's new and older books and to pre-order George Saunders' new joint. Joining me from the Windy City to help set up this episode, none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Jeff Tweet. No, 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 wait, not Tweety. It's Josh Modell, Elia. How are you? <laughs> hey, hey, executive editor on the line. Thank you very much for that kind intro. Uh, if it makes you feel better, I did set up my equipment right outside Jeff's house. So I'm just kind of sitting in the street recording this. <laughs> Well, all jokes aside, you actually have set up equipment with Jeff. You uh, worked on one of his videos. I did. I worked on the video for Wilco's Everyone Hides, which came out, you know, what seems like 20 years ago, but is in fact their last full-length album, Ode to Joy. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was a beautiful one, man. I, I'm sure our listeners know quite a bit about Jeff Tweedy. He's graced the talk house before and is, uh, is it safe to say talk house core, Josh? <laughs> Uh, if we're inventing new genres, absolutely. <laughs> he is a Grammy Award-winning musician, famous for leading his experimental rock group, Wilco, and before that, the alt-country legend's Uncle Tupelo. He is also now a best-selling author. Jeff's been staying super busy during the pandemic. He's been hosting a nightly Instagram show with his family, and in October, released both a new solo album called Love is the King and his brand new book. Yeah, his new book is called How to Write One Song, and it's literally Jeff Tweedy's advice on how to write one song. You got to start somewhere. Tweedy has written not one, but a number of songs with Nora Jones. In fact, two on her last record. Tell us about Nora, Josh. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably know who Nora Jones is, considering she has sold a whopping 50 million records worldwide <laughs> and won nine Grammys. It's amazing. So it's, it's 50 million. It, it's hard to fathom, isn't it? A lot of people were probably introduced to her through her 2002 debut album, Come Away With Me, which featured the massive hit, Don't Know Why. But she's done a ton of stuff since then. She's made a handful of country albums. She's made more kind of soft, jazzy records. She's got a trio called Puss in Boots that released an album back in February. And then her last proper record, Pick Me Up Off the Floor, just came out this year. And it features two songs, as you said, co-written with Jeff. One called I'm Alive and the other is Heaven Above. Something else that happened this year, she was nominated for a 2021 Grammy Award for her duet with Mavis Staples. She's probably getting bored of all these Grammys at this point. <laughs> I'll tell you what she is not getting bored of. She has a special coming up, a Christmas extravaganza with her band Puss in Boots. That live stream is set for December 12th. Do not miss this. This should be awesome. Now, Josh, Nora and Jeff are very simpatico and get into quite a bit here. Through the idea of him teaching others about songwriting, we get some beautiful insight into Tweedy's own songwriting process. Yeah, I love how he talks about his routine, how he's writing every day. And he gets like kind of into the nuts and bolts and, and kind of demystifies the, the process of writing songs, right? He definitely does. He definitely does. He brings a very workmanlike approach to it. Midwestern, you know, Midwestern. Yeah, verbs over nouns, right? Exactly. That's the lesson we learn in here. Yeah, listeners, you'll get that later. Yeah. 
One thing that I thought was fun, Josh, is that Jeff has really devised quite a few strategies. For example, how to get out of your day-to-day conversation and into writing lyrics. There's so much great insight both in the book and in this conversation about the book. Should we roll tape, man? Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> hey! Hello! How are you? Oh my gosh. Great book, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's so good to see you. Thanks for um, doing this and uh, thanks for writing this book. Thank you for doing this. This is crazy. Well, I'm going to ask a lot of favors of you at a later date. That's, so that's fine. Just Okay. By the way, this book is really awesome. Thank you. And I wish I had it when I was 20. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I bet you do. Is this really to turn back time and like send it to yourself? There's so many little profound things in it and also tips and everything. Anyway, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions about it. That's that's what I'm here for. I'll, I'll do my best to answer them. <laughs> okay, I'll do my best to ask questions. So how are you? Are you okay in the family? Everybody's good? We are reasonably okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. We're, we're keeping ourselves busy and spending a lot of time together. And, and fortunately, we, we tend to enjoy our time together. So That's pretty nice. It's a nice little silver lining to this yeah. craziness is the togetherness. That's nice. Okay, so... I mean, I try to ask you mostly songwriting questions since the book is how to write one song. So have you found during this time that you've been extra inspired particularly or a little extra lazy or extra antsy or all of the above or day to day or or what? I mean, for a pretty long time now, I've been relatively disciplined about like songwriting. Yeah. I don't really think of it as being disciplined though. I mean, I, I, it sounds like it when you describe it to somebody else. It's just something I feel better if I do every day. Yeah. Like most people have a routine that they feel right. better if they do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just one of those things that I, I, it's a box I like to check off and feel like I touched base with that part of who I am. And And I think that it becomes more necessary as a consolation Mm -hmm. when things are scary. Like when uh, we went through my wife's cancer diagnoses, there seemed to be a similar type of need for it personally as a consolation or as a little bit of a respite from the stress and and anxiety. So I tend to get a little bit more focused, but for the most part, it's it's very similar. I mean, I, I wrote all of the songs on the record that are coming out in a couple of weeks since March. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's it's been a pretty productive time, but it's hard to say that it's more productive. I, I just feel like I just need it more. I think it must be nice to have a routine like that in place for mm-hmm. times like this. For sure. I mean, my normal life is already is pre-pandemic. You know, it's it's a yeah. pretty small group of friends. It's not a I'm not a very social person in terms of going out and doing a lot of things uh, when I'm home. But the routine of the road, which has always been a big component of what I do, I spend like 100 days a year at least on the road for as long as I can, almost my entire adult life. Yeah. So that's the part of the routine that I've had to figure out how to replace like Every day at four o'clock, we would do sound check. You know, life on the road, people don't, I don't know if everybody understands how regimented it is or how routine it no. becomes. So I've had to figure out ways to be home and not have this free floating existence, which is um, a little bit harder for me to deal with. But going to the studio every day and riding every day and taking a bath every day. That, <laughs> That's 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 new. (laughs) That's pretty great. I mean, I can relate to the road stuff. I think a lot of my friends who are musicians who go on the road, we all kind of crave that uh, routine as well. When we get home, we we don't really know what to do with ourselves sometimes. Right. Which is why this book comes in super handy. And I'm going to send it to all my friends (laughs) because you have all these great, great ideas in here for songwriting. Um, Little exercises to do. And I think that's something I've heard of before. And maybe some, a few people have told me certain things, but I just never have the discipline to really remember to do them. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's pretty handy having them kind of available to me to remember to try them. Do you have any, you'd like to sort of just give a sneak peek of or? Well, 
I thought at some point it might be kind of fun to, uh, or initially when I was working on the book, I kind of pictured it maybe being a workbook type of book where you would give people a little little extra room, a few extra pages or something to do some of the exercises, especially some of the exercises that involve like a word ladder, which is, you know, basically like taking verbs and nouns or that come from sort of random places and just drawing lines between the two, two columns of words without thinking too much and then seeing how words act on each other in weird ways that I don't, for me, those are just really handy tricks to get excited about language again. Yeah, you know, when you sit I down, love that. when you sit down, a lot of times you're like you're stuck in your your day to day mode of conversation, modes of communicating, and you're like, I don't have anything to, you know, I don't have anything to say, I don't have anything, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's easy to feel like that, but that's it's like basically kind of trying to find different ways to turn that on its head and just be reacting to language by yourself, you know, without another person, uh, that can be hard to do, you know? So it's just kind of kind of a way to um, jumpstart language, I think is the way I describe it in the book. But I love it. It makes so much sense. And it's just something that my brain would never think to realize, you know, but it's, Mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense. So it's, it's a cool book because it's, it's like, you, you know, you talk a lot in the beginning and you have these philosophies, which I totally agree with for the most part. No, for all of them. <laughs> but, um, but then, the, yeah, it's, it's not quite a workbook. Like you were saying you were going to do, there's no space in there, but there's all these extras. It's, it's totally a workbook in that way. Right. I, I can't wait to like dive in more. And, you know, I think it's, it's fun to just do that type of stuff with language, finding ways to, even when you're not writing a song, I think yeah. it doesn't have to be tied necessarily to writing a song. It's just a, kind of a, a fun way to remind yourself how how inventive word choice can be, how exciting words next to each other can be when you don't expect them. Yeah. And just being reminded of the, the musicality of words by themselves. Yeah. Even if you don't end up writing a song, it's a great exercise. Hmm. I liked this thing you said in the book. In the beginning where you're talking about, well, you want to write a song? Okay, what? You want to be a rock star? You want to be a famous songwriter or whatever? Verbs over nouns. I love that thought. Mm -hmm. Verbs over nouns. How about you write a song or you play in front of people or you play guitar instead of being this thing that you're thinking of? actually do the actions instead. And I think that's something that's gotten really lost in today's society. Yeah. Like the, the younger people, they want to be on a TV show or they want to be famous, mm-hmm. but they don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's presented to them in the same way that it was when we were young. Yeah, I think it's really common for people to think more about what they want to be than what they want to do. I think a lot of people don't think about their lives in terms of what they want to do. In some ways, it's easier to see someone else's life and picture that and go, well, that's what I want to be. Yeah. Without thinking about what it is that that person's actually doing, without realizing that it will never look exactly like that, to actually be that. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're picturing yourself being is is very likely to not be uh, how it ends up, <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's just a really hard thing to achieve exactly what you want to be. I think everybody that I know like yourself included, that pictured maybe being something had to make a lot of really hard adjustments to it, figuring out what it is that they actually enjoy about being that. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of big moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I still see myself wanting to be things sometimes. I think it's hard to let go of the that sort of childlike ambition to be a certain thing. Or, you know, when I close my eyes and I picture uh, being a rock musician on stage, I'm measuring myself against the coolest looking, skinniest guys that have ever (laughs) walked the earth. (laughs) And I always fall short, you know, like I like, it's just not a thing that I could ever be. Um, But when I, when I take a step back and I think about the things that I get to do, and and the things I enjoy doing, mm-hmm. um, I'm always much more grounded in that than I don't know. I think it happened early on. I mean, even, like we we looked at 
when it was in Uncle Tupelo and, and when I was in high school, we looked at punk rock bands coming through town in in uh, vans and, you know, sleeping on people's floors. And we thought, wow, it would be cool to do that. That would be something cool to do. And so it made a real human scale ambition happen right away. It was pretty. That's a- definitely a human scale ambition. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty <laughs> achievable. It was achievable. It's such achievable ambition. And so it was, I think yeah. it was a lesson learned, you know, accidentally. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe the benefit of not having arena scale uh, <laughs> uh, ambition, you know. I just love it. I mean, it's a very human thing. We all want that. We all want to be something else. It's very relatable for, I think, everybody. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of questions, and I'm afraid I'm not going to get to them all. Some of these hard-hitting questions are going to blow the lid off of my book. (laughs) No, yeah, I don't want to give it away either. (laughs) But um, I also liked that you said something I've been thinking about a lot lately, especially during the pandemic and lockdown and everything is, I mean, you're talking about songwriting, of course, and you're talking about connecting with what you want to do instead of what you want to be and all these very profound things. And and you say something that I think I've been thinking about so much lately, and it's that making connection is the loftiest of all aspirations. (laughs) And that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah. And I love that you put that in there. Well, it's it's become really stark. So stark. Since yeah. since we haven't been able to have it. And I mean, I just really see that in the people that um, miss going to see shows and, and people mm-hmm. that pay attention to me and pay attention to Wilco. And we've stayed in contact with a lot of people through this Instagram show that we've been doing on my wife's Instagram, you know, and it's been... Uh, really enlightening to for the, for the first time in my life to really get a good sense of of how real that connection is. I always assumed yeah. that it was a connection with something that people wanted me to be, but I wasn't necessarily that I was just participating in it and definitely could feel it on stage. But it's not something I felt outside of those environments as much. And now I I, I feel a little bit more comfortable and secure in this notion that that it's okay to 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 be a part of this community not necessarily as as the leader mm-hmm. but a, but a you know I I can be a place kind of to come yeah. to for this thing and I like I like that we've been able to maintain that in a small way with our with our technology it's pretty amazing but, Actually, yeah, we're, we're we're lucky that this is happening at a time where some of this technology is ready to 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 maintain those connections in a way that oh, yeah. would have never been imaginable. Is uh, what you're saying that it's even nurtured the connection for you in a way that you could have never imagined, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, doing I think, this, I, you're weirdly farther away from everybody, but closer. It's more intimate in some sort of way, even though it's also not. <laughs> I think I'm just, I just feel more secure in that attachment. Yeah. You know, that I'm, I'm okay admitting that I, I, I need an audience. I like having an audience. Yeah. I like playing music for people. And I do crave that, that connection. And I write songs because I want to make that connection. And I'm, I'm very fortunate in my life to have people responding and, and connecting back. Um, and there is a lot more of that in this weird Instagram world yeah. where you're seeing you know, people becoming a part of the nightly shows by commenting. And, and a lot of times there's a whole nother show happening that I'm not even seeing. I'm playing guitar. My wife's reading comments as they're going by. But they're, it's basically just humans hanging out with each other. Yeah. And being comforted by a, a collective experience. And, and it's all we have. There isn't going to be any other way to get something similar to that for a while, for sure. And um, I don't know. I, I, now I don't know if we would ever stop completely because it's, it's a really nice way to touch base. Yeah, it's an interesting thing that's happened during this for a lot of people, I think. Mm-hmm. But playing shows is definitely going to feel so cathartic. Oh, I mean, totally. Play, I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah, we, we played a show at a drive-in theater a couple of weeks ago, and it was too weird for it to be completely cathartic, but it was a deep, deep reminder 
that music has this incredible healing power, you know, like I, I just being reminded that it's there, that it still works even in a super strange environment with, you know, it's cold. So everybody was kind of stayed in their cars. And yeah, so there wasn't there was all the, the reaction from the audience was really muffled, except for some honking every once in a while. Yeah, it's a different thing. I mean, yeah, I think until it fully, fully comes back, it's going to be hard to have the exact same feeling. But great to play with people too you know <laughs> oh yeah no it's yeah when it, it, it gets back to complete normal i hope it happens in a way that it can be felt as a big dam bursting release of you know yeah i have a suspicion that it's probably going to come back kind of incrementally though yeah i was going to say that like in a trickle <laughs> yeah yeah so i have a question for you uh-oh. You know, we've <laughs> we've written songs together. I know. When when you were reading the book, did you go, oh, my God, he's so full of it. This isn't how he writes songs. I was like, this guy. <laughs> no, I actually, I was thinking about that because we wrote four songs, right? Mm -hmm. We did like four songs in that three-day period. And I feel like each one had its own process. Mm -hmm. And and I, I feel that way about songwriting mm -hmm. where each one is kind of a little different. But now that I read the book, I feel like your process is probably a lot of things come lightning at you from different angles and not every song is the same, right? Mm -hmm. But you do have a very regimented uh, schedule process, correct? Ish? I think that there are many, many different processes, but this is like the what I'm describing in the book is kind of one that... I think you have to be adaptable to yeah. like, for example, one of the songs you just started playing a guitar part and I wasn't sure if you were showing me a song you were working <laughs> on or if you were just playing a guitar part, but we just started playing together and it became a song. And so yeah, yeah, I think you should be, quick. I think you should be open to those, but I think the process, the main process I try and talk about in the book is one that I just, I feel like is for me, it's guaranteed to make a different song each time, even if you kind of start in the same spot, it doesn't necessarily take you to the same destination every time. It's just. Oh, totally. I, di yeah. I didn't mean routine like that, yeah. but I did mean it seems like your process, like you have a routine where you write every day. Correct. For sure. Uh, yeah. I think. Yeah. Like, I don't know anybody that just gets songs handed to them out of the blue all of the time, doesn't even yeah. want to be a songwriter and just just yeah, keeps yeah. getting hit by <laughs> struck by lightning. You I know, know what you mean. everybody I know that you writes, pretend that. <laughs> right. But it's like, oh, this one just came to me through the No, I think everybody has to everybody puts themselves in the way of of a song, puts themselves directly in the path of a song. And I like that because there's been songs that I've written in my life. I'm not a very prolific songwriter. I'm not like you. I don't have a ton of songs all the time. I also don't make time to sit down and write every day, which I think it'll be really fun for me to try that mm -hmm. now. But um, I, I've had songs come very fast and I think, oh, that just came through me, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then I, it, when I was reading this, I was like going back and thinking, oh yeah, I've been working on music for <laughs> maybe 20 years before that song came to me right. and listened to a gazillion songs and tried to write really crappy songs. And, right. and, you know, I've worked, I have worked at it and it is a craft and I have thought about it, even though that song came out of nowhere, it came after 20 years of thinking about it, you know? Right. So it and, does make sense. And it, came, and it came from you. It came from your built up kind of tastes and habits of where your hands go when you first sit down at the piano. Yeah. You're like, you habits. know, like. I like that habits mm -hmm. because you do habitually go to your own things. Yeah, there, there are, I'm sure they're like, I'm sure there are intervals that you, without even thinking about it, started to like the sound of and make you, made you feel a certain way. Just starting with yeah. just one tiny little piece of music is all it takes, I think. And, and it can feel like a natural progression to get to the end of a song when you when you start in a place that kind of makes you feel something. But I'm sure that if you sat and consciously thought about just coming up with something in 20 minutes at the piano every day and you recorded it and then you went back and you forgot about all these little things that you came up with, you yeah. would find tons of things that you forgot that you had played that would sound like 
you were listening to the radio and it was like, I think I, I, I think you would have a high percentage of things that would just blow your mind. And that's, I like that idea. That's what I do. That's I mean, that's one yeah. of the main things I do is to just record enough stuff all the time that I don't I have no recollection of of where, yeah. where and how it was done, why I picked up the guitar. Uh, it's just it's just a habit. I think that's great. I mean, I do have the habit of going on my voice memos on my phone and recording little snippets all the time. Well, see there. Yeah, it's kind of a similar idea, but they're very tiny snippets, Mm -hmm. which is some of the stuff we did together. Actually, I think one of them was from a tiny snippet, but Mm -hmm. I I went back last week and I found one and it was like, oh, I like this. And I don't remember doing it. And then I got paranoid. I'm like, did I take, is this somebody else's song? Like, where did (laughs) this come from? You know? Exactly. Yeah. That's like, that's the cool part about it is like, you know, you get to react to it the way you would a record that you like that is by somebody else. Yeah. And, yeah, and um, figure out if you really like it or not. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's a pure, it's a somehow it's a pure reaction because a lot of times Agreed. when you're working on something and you've been kind of, you know, asking yourself, you know, all these arbitrary questions, like, should it go to this chord? Should it go to this chord? After you get the initial thing, you're trying to finish mm-hmm. it and you, you start making decisions but they're not the, the main point of it. No, they're so not based get, on the feeling right. of how the song is making you feel. Right. So they, they really are. I, I think I jokingly refer to some of those kinds of decisions as will not affect sales. <laughs> decisions. <laughs> yeah. Nobody cares but you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, so, yeah. So you get be I think you become blinded to. Especially if you're like, oh, yeah, oh, that's super clever. No, nobody would ever think to put that chord there. Uh, it's like, yeah, because it's terrible. It's like it's, <laughs> you know, you, you've outsmarted yourself, I think. It, yeah, you know? like you can overthink things mm-hmm. in songwriting just like anything else right. and take the the feeling to a weird place <laughs> where it goes away from the feeling. Yeah, you can work it. Another way that we describe that in the studio with our friend Tom Schick, who you've worked with many times also. Please give him a big squeeze for I, me. I will. A distant squeeze. We're in the same isolation pod, so we're okay. okay. Then a big, big, fat squeeze. <laughs> but but Tom and I talk about that going past it, you know, going past yeah. going past the song. You become, you know, focused on yes. something that isn't the song anymore. You're focusing on on something that is less than the song. Tom is so good at that too. Mm-hmm. That's why I love being in the studio with him. He's he's the best at not letting you go past. And I think that's a good person to surround yourself with. Some you know, it's nice mm-hmm. to to be in the studio with people who kind of can put the brakes on you a little. He's, he's kind of he can be a jerk. <laughs> Like, uh, he's like, he, w- he won't even let me write. He definitely can be a jerk. He won't even let but. me write certain lyrics sometimes. He doesn't like the word, <laughs> he doesn't like the word milk. And I, for some reason. Well, I mean, milk in a song is, yeah, I don't know. I know every time, but I keep trying and he, I will, like, he'll look at me and go. Just, just an aside. He also doesn't like pointy shoes on women. So I don't know if you want to talk to him about that. Okay. But well. You should put that in a song. We, we should. Yeah. <laughs> she wore pointy I, shoes. I will, I will be checking. That's, that's interesting. I don't yeah. know. We've veered off the rails maybe. <laughs> I think we lost the audience. This show is brought to you by Patreon, who ask creators, are you tired of being paid in clicks and likes? Social media and streaming platforms help people find your work, but getting you paid is another story. With Patreon, you can stop rolling the dice of ad revenue and per stream payouts and grow your creative career through the direct support of the people who care the most, your fans. Since Patreon is built for creators, not advertisers, you'll skip the middleman and develop a sustainable income source by offering a recurring membership to your fans. In turn, they'll get access to exclusive community, premium content, and the chance to become active participants in the work they love. The creative system is broken. So if you're a podcaster, video maker, musician, writer, illustrator, a creative person of any kind, sign up on patreon.com now. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And change the way your creativity is valued by building the steady income stream you deserve. Uh, 
Um, okay, I do have another songwriting question. So given what we just talked about, where you can go past, you know, something's good and then you just overwork it. I like also how you say in here that no work of art is ever finished. And I think that's such a good point for people to remember in all walks of life, really. It's never done. I mean, you can tweak it yeah. every time you play live. You can change the lyrics if you want, but it's just a recording of a moment in time, right? And mm. songwriting, you can you need to work at it, sure, but yeah. but maybe it's just what it is after a certain point. Yeah, I think that you see it happen all the time where people will work on something forever, for years. I I don't know if I know anybody recently, but I remember you know, in the 90s, there were some musicians that would get like kind of big record deals when people still did big record deals. And then they would spend five years making a record. And um, mm-hmm. I never had that kind of patience, to, to be honest. So it wasn't a problem. Me neither. I, my attention span is way too short. For right. Uh, me, me too. Uh, but even with my short attention span, I do know that when a song starts, it has this this potential that's the that draws me to it, that draws me to want to finish it, that mm-hmm. wants me to work on it and make a recording of it. And that can be really, really painful to not get all the way there, to not get all the way to this feeling that you thought this thing was going to be. But the it, potential, uh, the potential. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. That's and, interesting. But I think that it's usually the way to get around that for me is to just kind of try to stay focused on getting the energy and the emotion and capture as much of that initial, I don't know, desire to communicate, kind of have that come across as much as possible in whatever I'm recording. And again, kind of put it away and see sometimes when you come back to it, you're like, I don't know what I would add to that. You know, like it's like it, it allows it to be a little bit I don't know, more finished feeling. Oh, absolutely. Space mm. is the place, I think, for, mm. for stuff like <laughs> right. that. Even one of the songs we did right. together, I, I wanted to change this whole part of it so bad. And then a year went by mm-hmm. and I was listening to it. I was like, I wouldn't change that at all. I love it. Like you wanted to get somebody that could really play the guitar to come no, in and replace No, not at all. No, it was like a lyric, <laughs> a lyric that I had written in it that I wanted to change. I wanted you to come rewrite it, but you didn't. And then... I got used to it. Do you feel like sometimes you don't like something in a song and then you get so married and used to it sonically or whatever it is about it that you can't even change it, even though you want to? Do you ever feel like that? Yeah, I used to. I used to have that problem all the time with um, with lyrics. I used to never write lyrics down in the uh, Uncle Tupelo days and, and, and early Wilco days for most of the I don't know where I got this philosophy, but I had this feeling that if I couldn't remember it, how could I expect anybody else to remember it? I've heard that before. Yeah. So I thought that I was supposed to remember all of my lyrics. Oh, my God. And what had ended up (laughs) happening in the studio is I would inevitably forget what I was supposed to sing by the third verse. So I'd either repeat the first verse or I would make up something that rhymed with the same rhyme pattern as the other ones or something on the fly. And it would always be a little bit simpler language than I aspired to poetically. And and those songs, when I listen to them, a lot of them, I I still really love them. And I still love that I came to them the way I came to them. But I definitely feel like pushing myself to get past that made it more rewarding to me as a songwriter. But, but yeah, that, those songs stayed that way because there was almost yeah. no way for me to go back and go. In some cases, there was no way to go back recording wise because it was performed, yeah. you know, live with an acoustic guitar. So it was like we'd have to redo the whole song. But in a lot of cases, like even if I could have gone back, it would still be the thing that I heard the most when I tried to sing the song. Yeah, you get used to it. You get kind yeah. of cemented into a certain thing sometimes, I mm-hmm. feel like. Right. Right. Yeah. But do, do you when you listen to music and I'm sure you don't do this often, but do you sometimes get analytical when you're listening to music? Do you ever think like, oh, I love this. This feels great. But well, that's lazy songwriting right there. Or I mean, do you ever uh, other listen to music that? Yeah. Other people's music. Not mine, of course. I'm talking about. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um Yeah, I definitely I definitely have like a critical ear that's come from, you know, examining 
my my own abilities and my own desire to make something really great and cool and something that I want to listen to again. Um, it's hard to turn that off, but I feel like there's always a ton of records being made that I have no idea how they happen. I, I agree. It, it feels it, like alien sometimes when you're listening to something new. It's circum- right? it, Yeah, it circumvents that that impulse to kind of tear it apart and just kind of it becomes this thing that I've had since I was a little kid of just like marveling at like how how did they do that you know like where and and then sometimes if over repeated listenings it'll unfold a little bit and I'll start to get a better grasp of oh they must have started with the drums on this or something like that (laughs) or you know like and that's that's exciting that's not the same thing as listening to something and dismissing it or tearing it apart and going oh I I know I know how they did that boring you know yeah I know what you mean but I'm almost more talking about songwriting wise Mm -hmm. as in do you ever hear something and think like oh well that line I don't understand it they just rhyme the same word with the same word and that's stupid because the song could have been so great if they just didn't mm-hmm. do that or like you know what I mean yeah I yeah if I'm gonna allow myself to be a little bit critical and of like things that I hear in general I always feel like people stopped one or two revisions short of yes. getting to the point where it would have been more special. That's how I feel about myself. Like I I always feel, and I feel like that's how how the book is going to help me because I'm really bad at continuing on. (laughs) Um, It's just those extra layers of, of crystallizing the idea. And it really is. I think you're being hard on yourself, but I do. Well, anyway, I'm not (laughs) fishing or anything, but you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's your process. It really goes those extra layers. And I, I love that. I love what you get out of it, you know? Well, thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I, I just, I've done a little bit of this with um, some songwriters and people that have come through the studio and I really, really enjoy it. So it's something I naturally enjoy. Like um, we auctioned off some recording sessions for charity uh, where people would pay a certain amount of money and come to the studio. Oh, that's and so I'd cool. Help, and I'd help them work on one song. And these are people with not like high aspirations of being like a recording artist or anything. They're just like, you know, super, super sweet fans coming in and and sharing a song with me. And and that's one of the things I realized that I I really enjoy is like taking taking their lyrics and go, oh, my God, this line is incredible. Yeah. But it's like in the wrong place. <laughs> All right, you know, like if you just take this piece and put it here and then rhyme it with something more exciting than 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 rain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, something, or something. I love that. It'll be um I think it'll be special, you know, and, and I, I get a lot of there's a lot of joy in, in that. I think that's amazing. Like one song at a time. <laughs> but it was easier for me to see how much I enjoyed that doing it with somebody who is letting me do it with their, with their raw material, you know, like they brought it in and yeah. that was pretty exciting. That's pretty amazing. So is I should, that have, how I should you... have paid them. I should have paid them for the. <laughs> well, it all evens out. Um, are, is that how you came up with the idea for this book? When did you come up with the idea to write this book? Was it during lockdown or was it before all this started? It was before all of this started that I came up with the idea and it was it was based partially on having had this experience in the studio with some of these other projects that have come through and, and feeling helpful and like feeling like I've been able to help. Yeah. And then partially it was because the first book that I wrote had a lot of stuff in it about creativity, but it wasn't necessarily a book about my process. And those were, those were the sections that I got a lot of really positive feedback from people about, Mm -hmm. um, particular other people that I know that write and, and write books and, and are creative people, they seem to uh, really respond to that. And so, yeah, I, I came up with the title first, like a couple of years ago, and then I started writing the book during lockdown, you know? Yeah, and, that's and the, great. The, and the title of the book was basically just a way to help myself initially think about what it is that I'm going to try and communicate. It's a really wonderful gift, this book, because I feel like a lot of people will be helped, of course, to write one song, which is 
but it, it's more than that. It's just the creative process in general. It's a really beautiful, instructional, <laughs> soulful how-to. Oh. It's wonderful. And I thank you for writing it. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah. I maintain that I don't think it will hurt anybody. I love to, that. I for agree. You to write, for you to write one song if you desire. Yeah, uh, that's a, and, that's a and, wonderful and to way kinda, to say it. And kind of push yourself to go through the experience of singing it to yourself and then hopefully singing it for one, at least one other person and being confronted yeah. with that, how intense that, 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 um, that intimacy can feel. Uh, like reading a poem out loud in class. I know people have had that as a bad I'm experience. sweating just thinking yeah. about it. Like, right. But I, but I think those things were always really in, a, in the right environment and at the right speed for the right, you know, for the person that's welcoming it. Yeah. Not necessarily a kid being forced to do it in class. Um, no one's being forced to do this in any kind of like judgmental way. But, you know, I just, I, did, I think I learned that singing songs from my mom when I was young. Oh, I would so change sweet. I would change lyrics on the fly just being able to sense what she was responding to and there was just like something so connected there that it was like a way of telling her things that I didn't know how to tell her in some cases you know um about myself being you know weird or <laughs> you know I don't know <laughs> worrying about things about how I was fitting in or whatever That's really beautiful it was a really good lesson to be confronted with how intimate that is. It's very intimate. I also like the parts where you're talking about how if you have nothing to write about and you're talking about how stuff comes out and I could relate to this. Sometimes you're writing and you're writing and you're writing and then it comes out and it's done and you don't even know what it's about until <laughs> you start putting it all together and you sing it. And then you realize, Oh, that's about this thing I was going through at this time. And I didn't even know it at the time that I was writing these lyrics down. You know, yeah. I love that idea too. That's, that stuff's all in there. And, it, yeah. and it, it finds its way out if you kind of open up doors for it, you know? Yeah. And it's, again, it's all about the connection, you know? So, yeah. well, that's amazing. I mean, that's ideal. <laughs> Ideally. Exactly. That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it, um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was, yeah. it was wonderful seeing you again and, and talking to you at a distance. You too. <laughs> I can't wait till we can play music again together. I can't either. It'll be sooner than later, I hope. Give my love to the family. All and right, Tom you Schick, too. of course. I will. And Mark. And Mark. And uh, Stephanie's going to... Um, Stephanie has some questions for you from... The listeners, the fans. So here we <laughs> People go. People online. All right. Thank you. Good seeing yeah. you, Nora. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye, Nora. All right. The hard questions. Just going to start from the top. Somebody says, I feel like the lyrics I write are just very trite sometimes. How do you not be so hard on yourself about your lyrics? Any tips for making lyrics sound unique, but still real? Well, I think that, that that in the book, there are a handful of exercises that might free you up from thinking about being so direct about what it is you want to say and maybe just kind of allowing yourself to discover language that excites you and, and maybe reacting to it in a way that uncovers something you want to say that you didn't know you want to say. I think it takes work to to kind of trick yourself into letting some of those feelings out. I think triteness probably comes from a fear that if you say what you really say, you're going to be embarrassed or you're going to be worried that it's exposing too much. And um, I don't know. I think there are things in the book that would help you maybe overcome that fear. Okay, next question. Do you think you could have been content being a professional songwriter and not a performer? If you had been, who would you have wanted to play your songs instead of you? I think that I would have been content. Actually, I really do. I think that I really enjoy the process of writing songs and I I like thinking about other people singing my songs and I've had the I've had that experience with Mavis and with other people over the years where I've been able to write for someone else's voice. And I've, I've, I think I have enjoyed that as much as anything I've ever done. But uh, I don't know if there's anybody today, you know, I, that I would want. The people don't really do that as much. But I think that my criteria of what makes a 
a great song. I would have loved to have tried to write great songs in the 50s and 60s for for anybody, you know, like mostly I think probably country artists uh, is in my wheelhouse. Some of these are hard questions. Yeah. Um, all right. Nowadays, fans often get to hear demos and alternate versions that are sometimes drastically different from the final album track. For example, in Wilco's case, Summer Teeth, Slow Roads version on your new deluxe release. How do you pick which version wins? And do you like any of your alternate versions better than the final track you picked? There are so many criteria that go into how you decide on what songs make make a record and which versions of which songs make it on the record. Sometimes it's based on how many up-tempo songs you have or, you know, what other songs are on the record and what they're going to sit next to. A lot of times there's a song that's sort of like the one that you want to put on there, but you can't have two songs that are like that on the same record. It's just a million different things kind of weigh into it and answer the second part of the question. Yeah, there have been a lot of versions of songs that I think I liked a little bit more before they were finished or <laughs> uh, earlier versions of them. I think I can't think of any right now, but I'm sure that I feel like that has happened. That version of Summer Teeth, I think, in the context of the pop energy of what we I think I was picturing Summer Teeth being, I think that that version sounded way too slow and lethargic for the for the record. Is it a contentious process? No, actually, it's, I mean, it, it probably has been, but I can't, I mean, there are things that have been more contentious in the studio, probably mixing a song can be more contentious than just deciding on a take. A, a, a version of a song is generally, there's a generally pretty easy to get a consensus. Makes sense. You write songs for a lot of different outlets, Jeff Tweedy, Tweedy, Wilco, Mavis Staples, et cetera. Typically, at what point in the process do you decide this is a Wilco song, this is a Jeff Sweetie song, et cetera? I don't know. I don't really... The only thing I can really say to explain, I think almost anything has the potential to be on any record, probably. Wilco songs tend to be the songs that the members of Wilco as a whole kind of gravitate towards. Like I presented a demo version or play the song on a guitar and someone else starts playing along and there's a general energy in the room that becomes a collective performance where we're like, okay, now this is, this is something that, that we all have invested in. That becomes a Wilco song. Uh, but in general, I don't make a lot of distinctions. I just try and make stuff and get it to a place where I'm happy with it. And at some point, Occasionally, lately, I've been getting a, a bunch of songs together that sound like a record and I'll just go ahead and finish it and call it a Jeff Tweedy record or just kind of throw some stuff on a pile that I know Wilco might be more interested in, but I don't really make a whole lot of distinctions. One specific question from the chat. Can you tell me about what you learned about songwriting from doing Mermaid Avenue and having access to Woody Guthrie's lyrics? Well, I think that was one of the confirmations that I got early on in, in my songwriting career <laughs> uh, that Woody Guthrie didn't write purely folk gems every time he put the pen to paper or sat at a typewriter. And what, what you discovered in his archives was that he just wrote every day. And that was very, very affirming to me that I was on to something by, by having that kind of drive myself or that desire to just allow things to pour out of me. He, he had very, very little in the way of a filter. He wrote crazy stuff about almost anything you can imagine. Uh, very, very body things, songs that were about a battleship or, you know, like he, he just, it was just kind of constantly letting things pour out of himself. That's the main, I think the main thing more than anything specific about his style, it's just more his lesson of, of how to allow yourself to be creative like that. Okay, I'm going to ask you a bookstore question. Did you read anything good over the pandemic since March? <laughs> uh, I mean, anything. It could be like a tweet. I mean, yeah, no pressure. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've done a lot of what they call doom scrolling. Uh, during this period, I've, I've found it very hard to be completely attentive to 
any kind of longer form reading, to be honest. Um, no, the answer is, is no. I mean, there, I mean, Twitter's, if you, you know, spend time on Twitter, it's a hellscape for sure. But I'm almost always walking away from it, just marveling at how many funny people there are, how many smart people there are. Yeah. You can kind of be uplifted by that in spite of some of the more dire concerns that you're confronted with. You know, people are pretty amazing. So, but I, I'm ashamed to say I haven't had much luck staying focused on anything other than the work I'm doing and just trying to keep up with what's happening in the world. I mean, that's several jobs all at once. Mm-hmm. You wrote a book, made an album, <laughs> have continued to, you know, maintain your citizenship in this country. <laughs> so yeah. that's a lot of things all together. Yeah. Um, I feel like I should hand this over now so you can play a couple of songs. Thank you so much for being so generous by writing this book and also being here. It means a lot for bookstores. Thanks for doing this again. I really, really appreciate it. And I appreciate the support. And I don't know, hopefully we'll we'll do another another event in person someday. We hope so. (laughs) All right. I'm going to mute myself. All right. And uh, you can take it away. Okay. I'm going to play a couple of songs that are on my record that I wrote at the same time I was writing this book, really. I was working on this record and all of the songs are from this last six or seven months. This song called Guess Again. Ultimate is right off the van my wife clapping if you could hear her in the other room. 
going to try and play this song in a different key than it is on the record, but it's a song that I talk about in the book. Actually, some of the lyrics are in the book as they came to me um, before they were kind of put into this song. Gwendolyn. Those are the two songs I think I remember how to play for you tonight. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Nora Jones, Jeff Tweedy, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Huge love to Murmur, especially Brian Kelly, its founder, and Community Bookstore. If you haven't picked up Jeff's book yet, order it on their site now. Thank you so much to Justin Robovsky for tech directing this very complex event. A lot of moving parts. We really appreciate you, man. In this episode, Nora recorded herself. Thank you, Nora. And Jeff was recorded in Chicago by Mark Greenberg. That's awesome. And I actually played with Mark Greenberg at the Metro in Chicago once. Nice. He's a legend. Indeed. I want to remind listeners that Jeff Tweedy has been on the TalkHouse podcast before. When his first book came out, he was joined in conversation at Murmur back when we could all join in person. He chopped it up with Abby Jacobson. I also want to give a quick shout, and we haven't mentioned this yet anywhere, but Tweedy is coming on the show again next week. Yes, he'll be speaking with none other than Parks and Recreation's Nick Offerman. Ron fucking Swanson. <laughs> I'm psyched for that, man. The week after that, we've got Jeff Tweedy with... No, I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> it for Jeff for now. 
you jest. We are going on Chrismica break, my friend. I'm very excited. Thank you so much to our researcher, Reese Higgins, and to our long-suffering producer, Mark Yoshizumi. May he rest in peace. <laughs> He's not dead yet. <laughs> oh, sorry. Mark had some help this week with additional engineering from Katie Lau. You know, Josh, she is also known as Painted Zeros and released one of the best albums of 2020 on Don Giovanni Records. I'm going to listen to that as soon as we're finished here. The Talkhouse podcast theme song was composed and performed by The Range. Till next week with Jeff and Ron Swanson, I'm Elia Einhorn. I'm Josh Modell. Peace. And, and Tweeties. Tweeties. Ooh. Yes. We are so on the same wavelength.